Hi, everybody. This is Rosemary Coates with the Reshoring Institute, and we're here today to talk about the big world of reshoring, bringing manufacturing back to the U.S. or nearshoring to Mexico. Today, my guest is Johnny Areza, the VP of Cross-Border and Mexico Operations with Dunavent. And uh, you've probably heard about Dunavent, it's a big trucking operation. And so we're going to dig in a little bit and talk about cross-border operations today. So welcome, Johnny. Hi, it's a pleasure to, to finally be on the show with you. Yeah, I'm excited, too, to talk about uh, this particular topic that's of very significant interest to us. So let's start off by telling us a little bit about Dunavent. I know um, you're very well known and respected in the industry, but there may be some people out there, some listeners that don't know about Dunavent. Can, can you give us kind of an overview, and in particular, your operations in Laredo and El Paso? Yes. Well, Dunavent is a logistics, Dunavent logistics operate as a, I mean, a freight forwarder. It has trucking operations. We have our, our own assets. Um, primarily along the ports. Also, uh, well, like what we were talking about, the cross-border operations, we have a presence in Laredo, El Paso, San, Di San Diego, uh, Brownsville, and McAllen, Texas. Uh, we also have a presence within, within Mexico to offer more than anything our warehousing function of the EVITS program. And we also have what we call the Recinto Fiscalizado in the port of Manzanillo and Altamira. Uh, we offer the full, the full suite of services, which is um, trucking, the Mexican and U.S. Customs Brokerage, uh, the free forwarding. We also offer warehousing and distribution functions along the border and, both, and also within the interior of Mexico. Well, that's pretty so much it. Yeah, so are you seeing uh, increases in, in volume in the past year or so, or a couple of years uh, along the border? Uh, yes. I mean, we've seen a, a pretty a pretty huge increase um, ever since uh, we got out of COVID. Um, what, we've been, what we've been noticing is that um, there's a lot of manufacturers that were doing business in Mexico, I mean, sorry, in China, which are looking to move into the Mexico, the Mexico arena. And, um, I mean, it's been a steady increase. Well, it was a steady increase right after COVID for the, for the first couple months. And up to this point, we've just seen a huge increase. I mean, it's, it just, I can't even describe it in numbers. It's just been that, that much of an impact along, along our operations along the border. Ah, that's that's good news, I think. So what we've seen, uh, especially since the tariffs were put in place on Chinese imports, so and that was during the Trump administration, they, they put 25% uh, tariffs on any imports from China. Uh, well, pretty much everything, there were some exceptions, but pretty much everything coming from China was um, slapped with that tax. And it continues on to this day. And I think as a result of that, um, a lot of companies started rethinking their sourcing in China together with the pandemic, of course. And pandemic introduced risk uh, into global supply chains in a way that we haven't seen before. 
And I think that resulted in uh, that resulted in a lot of companies rethinking where in the world they were manufacturing and considering Mexico as a as a, a pretty significant option, especially since when you look at the economics of the situation, can actually manufacture in Mexico, particularly central Mexico, um, at the same or cheaper rates than you could in China. And so, you know, that made Mexico a really big viable option. So that's what we've seen too. And there was a steady increase in reshoring over the past 10 years, um, but then a big jump, um, particularly after COVID. And as a result of companies rethinking that economic situation with the tariffs. So, you know, hopefully you're benefiting from that, seeing a lot of increase in the trade cross border. Yeah. And what's, um, I mean, also been a huge benefit to also manufacturers. I mean, obviously we're, we're, um, getting the alpha, the benefit of being along the border, but it's just a distance. I mean, having the proximity of Mexico to, to, um, the United States, I mean, obviously there, you're saving a lot of time, a lot of cost, uh, just the peace of mind of knowing where your, where your stuff is, because it's not that far away when you're coming in from China, you're talking about three weeks, four weeks, five weeks out. And depending upon what's happening at the ports. I mean, it, it could get up to two months and you're sitting there waiting for your product when, when they're doing business in Mexico, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, the furthest point in Mexico, deep down South, you're talking about what, two days to the border at the most. Well, yeah. Plus the same time zones essentially. So you're not, you know, making phone calls into China at midnight or getting on a plane for 12 hours and flying to Shanghai or that sort of thing. I mean, it really makes a, a big difference when it's convenient and you have more control over those operations in Mexico. Um, a few months ago, one of the interns with the Reshoring Institute and I went down to the border in Otay Mesa near San Diego. And we had a look at what was happening at the border. It was kind of astonishing. There were, uh, Otay Mesa is a commercial crossing, of course. There's no pedestrian co cross crossing um, or commercial or uh, uh, individual you know, cars or anything like that. It's all commercial crossing, so rail and truck. And um, it was astonishing to see how many trucks were lined up to come across the border. I mean, it was jaw-dropping. And the other thing that we noticed is as we're driving along on the U.S. side, you could see there were factories with Chinese lettering on the side of the factory. So we know that there's a significant amount of investment going into uh, Mexico from Chinese manufacturers. So now we're not talking about bringing kits in from China and manufacturing and bringing it across, but actual investment in the factories along the border. Uh, so the Chinese um, uh, managers own the factory, uh, and then they use Mexican operations, Mexican parts, um, you know, uh, Mexican people to uh, to do to manufacture the goods and bring them across the border. And of course, that is all tied in with USMCA. So is that kind of what you're seeing too in in Laredo and El Paso and along the border? Yes, uh, we've. I mean, in the past, we used to deal a lot with um, just companies uh, doing more than any, like the twin plant type manufacturing, the U.S. manufacturer oh, yeah. operation in Mexico. What's been interesting in the past year, year and a half is just exactly what you said. I mean, there's more Chinese 
um, coming in, more Chinese companies coming into Mexico, looking to set up that manufacturing facility. We're working with a couple ourselves. Um, they're looking for the land in Mexico. They're looking for the facility. They're working with the local governments there to help them, guide them on how to set up, how to how to just go through the whole process. And that's where we come into play, providing them their um, support with the logistical services on the door-to-door. And, and I mean, you take you take what they're trying to set up in Mexico, um, the manufacturing, but they're also looking along the border or a little bit into the interior of the United States, setting up also distribution centers. So, um, I mean, the Chinese are coming in with a total new mindset on on just the supply, the su- supply chain, um, just deliveries and supply chain arena. Yeah, that's that's pretty fantastic. I mean, I guess we're seeing two trends: one, the Chinese investment along the border, uh, and also U.S. companies making a decision to go to Mexico versus China. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a dual approach to building business in that area. Let's um, let's talk specifically about the automotive center, or automotive trade, not the center, but the trade across the border, because I know Donovan does a significant amount of work with the automotive companies. So I I think it's also fairly um, particular, peculiar, I guess, under USMCA that there are rules regarding imports for automotive that are different from rules of other industrial equipment. I think there's uh, rules related to labor wages and labor content and so forth. So it makes it a little bit more difficult to bring automotive across the border. And yet it seems to be a real growth market. And I know you guys are doing a lot of business in that area. Yeah, we've been uh, fortunate enough to be able to set up a really good niche for ourselves um, heavily on the um, hot shots where we do expedited services, providing the the tracking, um, the visibility to both our customers and to their end customers, where just the different mechanisms that we that we have for tracking, tracking their cargo um, could be done through email, could be done through um, phone notifications, could be done um, just the customer going onto our website and be able to um, locate our GPS or their G- GPS tracking mechanism. So, I mean, and it's also the flexibility on the phone notifications, the emails, if they want to receive it every 15, every hour, every, every two hours, it just, we leave it up to the customer and then we just schedule it in, um, in regards to the differences, um, with the U- USMCA, I mean, we, we have seen a huge increase and I mean, it just comes down to, again, the nearshoring, I don't want to call it a phenomenon, but um, just a nearshoring um, situation that's a, that's occurring. Um, there, there just seems to be no, no stopping it. And um, what, what's also occurring is um, the tier ones, tier twos, tier threes are setting up in Mexico. And that's where we're also able to support them and provide the services of um, distribution, distribution services for them. So they send us their cargo. Um, we receive it here in Laredo, Texas, in El Paso, also in Otay. And we maintain a, a safety stock for them. This allows for their 
um, OEM to schedule pickup with us. We always have their their inventory readily available. And what's also helped us or set Donovan aside from our competition is the connectivity that we have with the OEMs, um, the EDI connectivity that we have set up also being approved by the OEMs as an official freight forwarder cross-docking along the border for for the different OEMs. Um, I mean, that's, that's what really has helped is the tier ones, tier twos, tier threes, being able to provide this, this type of connectivity and service to, to them between them, um, with their customer, the OEM customer and us as representing the tier one, tier two, tier, tier three. Ah, that's, that's terrific. So long, long ago, when I first started my career back in 1979, oh man, it's 45 years ago. Um, I worked for Solar Turbines in San Diego, and the, my boss, I worked for the traffic manager, and my boss said to me, I want you to uh, start uh, managing the hotshot operations. And way back then, we didn't have any systems available, so everything was done on paper, and we had hotshots coming up and down the coast every day. We'd have you know, three going north and three coming south, and they didn't coordinate, and you know, we were paying a fortune in hotshots. Today's environment, though, I guess, you know, when, when you have an ERP system and you know when, in advance you're going to have a shortage and you or you have a, a breakdown of equipment, something like that, you got to hire a hot shot to go. Um, it's a little bit different kind of environment, a little bit more controlled and I think more intentional um, in terms of having those hot shots going back and forth. So hopefully it isn't, you know, a, a huge mess for these companies as it was in the past. So what kind of goods do you see going in hotshots? Are they are they um, products that are coming out of the storage facility or are they um, parts for machinery or what do you see? No, it's primarily um, parts for um, the autos. I mean, that they fall behind on production, kind of like what you were just mentioning. Um, they have machine breakdown. They might have quality issues um, that they caught in, inside the manufacturing facility and they and they start falling behind on their requirements to the OEMs. So then they just start doing hot shots just to, I mean, they don't want to have a line down situation that becomes right. very costly. So um, those are the bigger situations where they just fall behind on manufacturing or they end up having some type of quality issue that affects their productivity. And, um, and that's where we've been able to come in with our response time. When they ask us for a hot shot, we're able to get them covered within 30 minutes max. So Wow, uh, 30 and minutes. And that might be the actual pickup or getting the unit assigned to to the customer where they might call us at 2 o'clock and they need it picked up at 9. We notify within uh, 15, 30 minutes that we have it covered. We send them the, I mean, the unit number if they want um, team drivers. We provide them with the name of of each driver, and then we pro- we ask them for what type of service would they like in regards to the EDI, if they want um, GPS GPS tracking, email, phone notifications, or if they want everything. That's fantastic. Probably within thirty minutes. Boy, I can remember the hot shots that I was setting up. It would take hours to try to find a driver, and you never knew where he was, and you know whether or not he had made the delivery. Back in those days, there was no cell phones. You know, you had a they had a dial in from a payphone somewhere and tell us that they made the delivery. It was 
uh, good old days, huh? <laughs> Bill, I feel yeah, like no, I'm ancient because of this. <laughs> no, now things have changed from that um, once they deliver, um, they send us over the signed POD and we provide that to our customer within 15, 15 minutes of delivery. Fantastic. So gives them a peace of mind also. That's terrific. Fantastic. So I understand also that um, in the automotive industry, there's a lot of uh, parts and um, sort of production capability where parts move back and forth across the border several times. So um, they may be building something and then they send it to Mexico to do some painting or processing and then back to the U.S. for some kind of finishing and then back to Mexico. So are you seeing a lot of activity in that area where there's multiple cross-border operations going on? Uh, Yes, and that's what's driven us uh, to for quick growth in the different um, border locations um, because that's what occurs. I mean, we see that happening, for example, in Matamoros. They'll, they'll build a, a part and then they'll bring it across into, into Brownsville. Then they'll send it down to Laredo. We'll import it through Laredo for, for our customer, ship it down to Monterey for them. They add it to another unit piece that, um, that they're producing. Then we bring it back up to, to Laredo and we send it off to the final end um, customer. But um, yes, we've seen that quite a bit. And the interesting thing, it's in both the automotive and the energy sector where we're seeing this quite a bit. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's it gets really complicated too with respect to customs. Um, you know, I know you said you, you have brokerage oper- uh, operations also. And I'm also a licensed customs broker, so I, I know that bringing things in under a temporary import bond or uh, exporting them uh, in that kind of situation for a quick uh, value-added service, something like that, all of that's complicated when it comes to the import process. So um, you're offering services that are both for the transportation as well as the brokerage and warehousing. That's pretty fantastic for a customer to be able to tap into all of that at once. That's wonderful. Well, and I, and well, what I I see that's driving this is that nearshoring nearshoring trend that we're that we're living through right now. Where um, I mean, in the past it would happen in China. Now it's happening within within Mexico, where the different suppliers um, suppliers are setting up setting up shop, and they're setting up shop in the different cities, parts of the country, Mexico. So this is what's creating this synergy that we're, that we're seeing right now. So you said, you mentioned the energy sector also. So automotive energy, what else do you see growing? What other growth industries? Um, I mean, really all of them. Um, industrial it is, is going through a huge growth aerospace. I mean, down there in the Querétaro, Querétaro area, and then you have um, all the automotive setting up in in Juarez, also uh, the technology sector. I mean, again, it's just it's really all across the board because of this nearshoring situation going on. That they're trying to pull more manufacturing from China and bringing it back closer to to the United States, closer to the consumer. Yeah. Wow, that, that's fantastic. Very good news, I think, for all of us. Um, certainly helping Mexico to industrialize very fast, uh, as well as uh, providing jobs and good-paying jobs for 
Mexican citizens um, so that uh, we can build their economy is good for everybody in North America. Um, of course, we, we love to see manufacturing come back to the U.S. That's our ultimate goal. But realistically, we also know that low-cost manufacturing operations are attractive and are necessary to move production out of places like China and the Far East in general and bring it closer to home. And um, that's that's good for everyone, uh, good for the Mexican economy, as well as um, it reduces our overall carbon footprint, uh, which has become, you know, a big deal. And the closer we get, the less carbon we put into the atmosphere. And uh, <clears throat> you can see, you know, based on the summer and the heat and, and so forth, that that's become a front and center concern for a lot of companies. Um, in fact, I just got back from Switzerland. Um, I was over there for a week and it was so hot. It was 85 to 90 degrees in every city in Switzerland. I mean, you'd think it'd be nice and cool, breezy in the mountains and all that, but it was really hot. They have a heat dome sitting on top of Europe right now. Um, and it was miserable. And I, you know, people were talking about climate change and the need to reduce our carbon footprint. So this kind of cross-border operation really helps because it reduces that that overall footprint. What so you know, let's wrap it up by by you telling us what kind of trends and innovations are you seeing or you implementing at Dun Events that um, are different from your competitors or you know are really important for potential customers to know about. Well, one of the biggest things is technology. I mean, it's as we're going through this nearshoring and where the times are getting shorter and shorter. I mean, customers want their information now and their customers want their information now. So as rep as we are representatives of our direct customer, uh, we have to be able to react as quickly as possible. And also, if we have a, a technology base where the customer can go online and check on, on the status themselves, or if they need us to be able to provide them the answer when when they need it, I really believe that's what's setting us apart from, from our competitors. It's just the customer service, putting the customer first um, and taking care of the customer. Um, also, the well, part of the technology is establishing that um, connectivity, for example, the automotive sector with the OEMs, having that direct connect connectivity that, that really a lot of our competitors don't have. And the other big benefit, I believe that we can provide that um, our customer, I mean, our competitors have a difficult time providing is the complete door-to-door -door service when you can just, when you can call just one person that's your customer service rep, and they could tell you where your product is within the different phases of the supply chain. I think that's very important. Instead of trying to call, you call one person, our customers call one person, and they're told, hey, no, we don't, we're, I don't manage that. You need to call this other person. And then they just start, you, you get that feeling as a customer that you're being bounced around. And we all go through that. I mean, when we call our cell phone company, I mean, you just get that feeling where you're just being bounced around from one place to another. And that's what we eliminate here. We have one point of contact and from there we give them the answers that they need because their customer service rep knows how to get those answers. 
Ah, terrific. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we had a chance to learn about Dunavent and your cross-border operations. And let's keep going. Let's keep rebuilding manufacturing in North America. So thanks again. I appreciate it. Have a great day. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.